Hello and welcome back to Neely's Bend's Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. Today's sermon is from John chapter 14, verse 6, of how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thanks for listening. As you're turning there, just remember that we are going through this series of asking the question, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we're using the I am statements, the seven I am statements that Jesus made throughout the whole book of John. And we are on the sixth I am statement, which means we have one more left. So next week we will see Jesus. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And that will be our last I am statement. But hasn't it been a joy to see who Jesus is and what Jesus means to us as who he is? Um, and, I, and I still pray that as we go through this series of asking who is Jesus and through the I am statements that we will just continue to fall more and more in love with Jesus and who he is and because we see what he is and what he means to us as believers. So let's read John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time to gather around and fellowship together and worship you together, Lord, and just glorify you. I pray that everything that we do in this service today brings you glory, that we are all here to bring glory to you. Lord, as we begin to dive into chapter 14, verse 6, of how you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life, Lord, help us to see that today. Lord, I pray that you just clear our minds, that we clear our focus, and that we just open our eyes and open our hearts and open up our minds to see, hear, and know you and your word, Lord. Lord, help me to preach with simplicity, clarity, and passion today, Lord. Help me to just be a vessel for your kingdom, a mouthpiece for you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we are all able to take this home today and take it back with us and live our lives knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is your heart troubled? Is your heart troubled? Has your heart ever been troubled? Let me ask that question. Has your heart ever been troubled? There are many things in life that can cause one heart to just be a little bit troubled. But I would believe that there are three things that probably trouble us the most. In John 14:1, we see the, the hearts of the disciples are troubled. If you look there, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Their hearts were troubled because they knew that Jesus would soon be leaving them. 
that Jesus would soon be going somewhere else. If you think about it, for the past three years, for the last three years of the disciples' lives, they've been following Jesus, walking with Jesus every day, spending so much time with Him. And now Jesus is saying, I am leaving. And they were troubled because they were concerned that they may not know the way, the truth, and the life. What is the way? This is a question that I think we often ask ourselves a lot. What is the way? Which way should we go? Should I go this way with my life? Should I go that way with my life? Which way is best, A or B? If I go this way, then this will change in my life. If I go that way, then that will change in my life. The question of which way should I go, what direction should I move in, weighs on us sometimes. It may be weighing on some of you even now. Another question that many of us ask is, what is the truth? What is true? Is this a true statement? In our society today, we must ask ourselves this all the time. Almost everything we read or everything we hear or everything we see, we have to ask, is this true? We don't know if we can trust what is really being said unless we personally see it with our own eyes. The truth is important to us. Another question that I believe that we often ask ourselves is, what is life? What is my purpose in this life? What do I want my life to be? Or maybe you make this statement, this isn't what I want my life to be. I expect my life to be something different. We as people are concerned with our lives. We're concerned with our lives. We think that by doing this or doing that, it will make our life greater. If I buy a new truck, if I buy a new car, if I buy a new house, if I buy a new toy or a new something else for whatever else that wants to just kind of make it our life better, that's why we do it. We do it in hopes of making our life better. If I begin to do this with my life, I will have a better life. As humans, many of us are always striving to make our life better, to make our life easier. And it's only for oneself, not to the glory of God. As people, we are concerned about the way, the direction we should be going. We want to be going in the right way, not the wrong way. So we make decisions which we hope puts us going in the right way. But not only that, we also make decisions about what seems to be true or what is true. We want truth. We want honesty. We want people to tell us the truth. Knowing the truth affects the way in which we go. And finally, the way in which we go, we hope leads to a better life. If I go this direction and I get a better job or I get a promotion and I make more money, I will have a better life. I think that's something that we all think of sometimes. But we also base our lives off of truth. If I know that what these people are saying is true, I will use it. I will do it and it will give me a better life. It's why we see so many advertisements on TV, right? They're telling you, this will do this for you. 
This will do this for you. It will give you a better life. And they're trying to prove how it will give you a better life. Trying to show that what they are making, that their product is the best because it is true to what it does. As people, we are concerned with the way in which we are going. We are concerned with what is true. And we are concerned with our lives and how they can be better. And Jesus tells us something in John 14, 6. About the way, about the truth, and about the life. Because He knows that people are concerned with these three things. He knows that people are concerned with the way in which they go. The truth in which they know. And the life that they have. And he tells us in John 14, 6 that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. Church, we must see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Because it is only by him that we can know the way, that we can know the truth, and that we can have life. And when we know this about Jesus, and this is the difference that is made in our lives, we will begin to live our lives differently. We will understand that Jesus is the only way. And that that, that way is the right way, because it's the only way. And if we follow Jesus' way, then we'll be on the right path, the right road. We will understand that Jesus is the ultimate truth, that we can trust Him and look to Him for truth, because He is truth. We will begin to walk in truth. And lastly, our lives will be entirely changed because we will have life in us. We will have the life of Jesus inside of us. We will no longer desire to have a better life because what life could be better than a life with Jesus? My purpose in preaching this sermon from John chapter 14 verse 6 is for you to look to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. From John 14, 6, we're going to see three facts of who Jesus is. Three facts of who Jesus is. And you can probably guess my outline. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. So we're going to look at these three facts of who Jesus is. But before we get there, we need to establish a little context of what is happening. Because a lot has changed since the last I Am statement. In the last I Am statement, we saw that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and He resurrected Lazarus shortly afterwards. And He showed Himself to be the one who can give life. But in John 13, verse 1, we have a change of scenery. We have a change of what's happening. We see that the Passover feast is about to happen. And we also read in verse 2 that it was supper time. This is the Lord's Supper, in which only the disciples were with Him. The Jews are no longer around Jesus. They are in their room by themselves having supper together. The Jews are not there. We also read in verse 1 that this is when Jesus knew that His hour had come, that His time had come. He knew that in a short time he would be betrayed by Jesus, by Judas, arrested, and crucified on the cross. He knew his time with his disciples had come to an end. Therefore, 
from chapter 13 to chapter 17, we should understand that these are the last words that Jesus would speak to the disciples before He would go and be crucified on the cross. Which means that these last few words, these last few instructions that Jesus gives to the disciples are important instructions. That they meant something. Jesus told them this for a reason. In chapter 13, we see that Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then Jesus would predict that Judas would betray or would be the one who would betray Jesus. And then we see Judas get up and leave. He just gets up and leaves because Jesus says, what you're doing, go and do quickly. And when Jesus says in verse 33 that He is going to be with them a little while longer and that they can't go where He is going, but could go later, as he says to Peter in verse 36. So now we understand why Jesus tells the disciples in verse 1 to not be troubled. To not let their hearts be troubled. Because the disciples were very much troubled. The man who they had followed for three years, the man who had led them for three years, he had just told them that he was leaving. Can we blame them? Can we blame them for being troubled? I think we would all be troubled. I think we would all be kind of confused about what's going on. And understanding this troubledness that the disciples are feeling helps us to understand why Jesus would teach the disciples that He is the way, the truth, and the life. So in our sermon today, we're going to see three facts of who Jesus is. Three facts of who Jesus is. The first fact is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And when I say Jesus is the way, I really mean that He is the only way. There is no other way. He is the only way. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. Thomas said to Him, Lord, we do not know where You are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. As I just stated, the disciples were rattled. They were troubled. They were not feeling good. Their stomach was in knots. They were uncomfortable because Jesus had told them He was leaving. They also seen Judas leave right in front of their eyes to go and betray Jesus. They knew that the person they had followed for so long was about to leave, and they were afraid that they would not know the way. Which is why Thomas asked, how can we know the way? I believe this question, as I stated in my introduction, that this is a question that many people ask. What is the way? How can we know the way? And when they ask this question, they ask with the intention of, how can I know the way in which I should go? Rather than, what is the way to salvation? What is the way to salvation? And I'm going to answer and say that Jesus is both the way to salvation and He's also the way in which we should live our lives. So there's only one thing I really want to focus on from this first fact of Jesus, of Him being the way, and that is that Jesus is the only way for salvation. The only way for salvation. The only way to heaven. The only way to get to God. The only way to get to heaven. 
There is no other way for us to get salvation than through Jesus and Him alone. He is the only way, as He says in verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through Me. You must go through Jesus. You can't get to the Father who is in heaven unless it is through Jesus alone. There are multiple ways to salvation. Excuse me. There are not multiple ways to salvation, or multiple ways to get to heaven, or multiple ways to get to God. And there is only one way, and that way is through Jesus, the Son, Jesus Christ. Picture three roads. Just think of three different roads going up to the top of a mountain. You have one road that decides to go round and round and round. We're going to call it the scenic route. Get up to the top of the mountain. And you have another road that's going to zigzag up to the top of the mountain. Just back and forth. We're going to call it the ziggity-zaggity road or something like that. And then we have another road that's just a straight line up the mountain. It's just, you know, just hop on it and you go straight up to the top. We'll call it the, I don't know, the, the fast lane or something like that. We'll call it that. <coughs> The, the gas guzzling lane, well, that, that'll probably do it as well. But anyway, but all these roads will lead you to the top of this mountain. You can take the quick route straight up the mountain. You can take the ziggity-zaggity route, or you can take the scenic route around the mountain. It doesn't matter which way you go, but you're eventually going to get to the top of the mountain. But church, this isn't what it's like for salvation. There's not three roads. There's not five roads. There's not a hundred roads. There's not a thousand roads. There's only one road to Jesus. And that is through Jesus alone. There's only one way for salvation. And that is through Jesus and Him alone. Because He is the way. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot work for salvation. You cannot buy salvation. You cannot just make salvation happen. Someone else can't give you salvation. Your parents can't give you salvation. Your grandparents can't give you salvation. Your friends can't save you. These are all roads that people try to take to get salvation, and they don't lead you there. If you are that person today, let me be real upfront and run about it. Your way isn't going to get you to heaven. Your way isn't going to get you salvation. It can only be the Jesus way. It can only be through Jesus. This is not a DIY project. In the past, I used to work at Lowe's, and many people would come to get things for their do-it-yourself project. They were going to do it themselves. Now, there is nothing wrong with a DIY project and doing a project yourself. I've done many of those projects and enjoy doing them because I can do the project my way. And I don't have to pay someone else to do it their way. And that's just the thing. Friends, getting salvation is something you can't do your way. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it your way and get to heaven. It can only be through Jesus. A few weeks ago, a few, excuse me, a few weeks ago, we saw that Jesus is the door and that only those who enter through the door are the ones who receive salvation. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. He is the door. He is the way. And it is only through Him that one can get salvation. Acts 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 makes this even more clear. Peter says, And there is salvation in no one else. And he's speaking of Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
Salvation is in no one else other than Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. No other name under heaven in which one can be saved. It is only through Jesus. And if you are here today and you have been trying to get salvation in some other way, you've been taking some other road to get to heaven, some other road to get to God, some other road to get to salvation, your way isn't going to get you there. Your way isn't going to get you saved. The Bible is very clear on how one gets, some, gets salvation. And it's very clear in Acts 4.2. There is salvation in no one else. Jesus is the only way. No one gets to the Father except through Him. And you can be saved today by believing in Jesus alone. Repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and you will be saved. Believe. Believe that He was born of a virgin. Believe that He lived a sinless life. Believe that He died a sacrificial life on a cross. He was crucified. Believe that He rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father and you will be saved. Trust in the Lord today. Call upon His name. Believe in Jesus because He is the only way. Our fact number two is Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. As I also stated in the introduction, many people desire to know the truth. They want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. And I would believe that most of you, all of you, would want to know the truth. This is why we have a court of law to determine the truth, right? Of what someone did in order to condemn them for the wrong they did or to justify them for the right they did because they told the truth about what happened. Truth is why research is done on many things. We want to know the facts. It is why we research what we research before we buy something, when we are told something. Truth is why we question almost everything anybody says, because we want to know the truth. People want the truth. People want accuracy. People don't want to be lied to. Ultimately, truth matters for everyone. However, in our world today, we live in a world of confusion, a world of chaos, a world that doesn't know what is true. We question everything. We wonder about everything. Truth seems to be far and few between. And if it is true, it is probably stretched a little bit. But there is something, there is someone who is always true. His name is Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and I am the truth. Jesus is making the claim that He is the truth. Not just any truth, but the truth. The truth. This claim by Jesus isn't like a worldly truth. It is a heavenly truth. Jesus embodies truth because He is the truth truth. There is nothing false in Him. There is nothing false about Him. There is no confusion on who He is. He is truth. He is completely set apart from anyone else because He is truth. What Jesus says we can trust is true because He is truth. And I'm saying truth a lot. But it's true that He is true. The things Jesus taught we can believe because He is truth. In a world of confusion, 
and chaos and fakeness. Look to Jesus for truth. Because He came with truth. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John begins the chapter in verse 1 by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is Jesus. And then in John 1.14, John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he's saying that Jesus became flesh and Jesus dwelt among us. And then he continues, And we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of truth. He had truth in Him. He was the truth before He ever came to this earth. If we believe that Jesus is God and we believe that God is to be true because He is righteous and no wrong can be found in Him, then we must believe that Jesus is truth. We must believe that Jesus is truth and only truth because He is also righteous and no faults, no, nothing not true can be found in Him. Jesus is truth. He is full of truth. There is no wrong in Him. 1 John 5.20 sums it up even more. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is true. The Son of God has given us understanding of who He is because He is truth. And we can know Him as true. And even greater than that, when we believe in Jesus, we are in Him who is true. We are in Jesus Christ. And now we ourselves have the truth inside of us. And we can always look to this truth that we have in us because He is the true God. But not only is Jesus the true God, He's also the true Messiah. The true Messiah. In Genesis chapter 3, we get the very first prediction of who is to come. The very first gospel presentation. It's the very first gospel in the Bible, if you really think about it. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus is known as the serpent crusher. This is where it comes from. This is the first promise of the Messiah, that the Messiah would crush the serpent's head. And the Old, people, uh, excuse me, the Old Testament people knew this. So they were constantly looking for the serpent crusher. They were constantly looking for the Messiah. In chapter 4, Cain is born. And people are wondering, is this the Messiah? Is this the serpent crusher? But we know that it's not because what happened? Cain murdered his brother, Abel. So he's not the Messiah. You can continue going through the whole book of Genesis, the whole book of Exodus, all the way to David. All the way to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who is the true Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, these people were looking for the promised Messiah, but He was never there until Jesus came along. 
And He is the true Messiah. Jesus is the true Messiah. The Messiah that the people have been looking for for so long. Jesus would be the serpent crusher. Jesus would be the one who makes Abraham the father of many nations. Jesus would be the one who is greater than David. Jesus is the true Messiah. And this also makes Him the one who is truth. Friends, are you looking for truth? Are you looking for answers? In our world of confusion and chaos, we can rest assured and know that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is the truth. Therefore, we must look to Jesus for truth. Know that He is truth. Believe that He is truth. And I've said truth a lot. So praise the Lord, we're moving on to our third fact. We've seen that Jesus is the way. We've seen that Jesus is the truth. And now we're going to see that Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. Just as last week, this is noticed, this is a very popular theme throughout the whole book of John. The whole book of John, Jesus tells people about how He is the life, He is the eternal life. You can get eternal life through Him. That life is only through Him. Jesus is life and He wants you to know that. Because the life that Jesus wants you to have can't happen outside of Him. Again, as I stated in my introduction, we as people tend to have a tendency to be so caught up with how we can better our lives. If I take this job, if I make more money, if I have a better life, or I will have a better life, if I buy this house, the bigger house is nicer, it has fancier things, it has cooler things, I'll never need to use these things in my life, but it has these things. But it's going to make my life better. If I buy this truck or this car that has heated and cooling seats, wood paneling all the way around it, fancy rims, then my life will be better. And when I say all those things, I want you to know that it's okay to buy things. It's okay to want a house. It's okay to buy a house. It's okay to do those things. It's okay to want to take a better job or a promotion. But we cannot let the house, we cannot let the vehicle, we cannot let the job, we cannot let the things that we purchase define our lives. We cannot let those define our lives because those can be taken away so quickly. And if that is what your life is defined by, then guess what? Your life is going to be destroyed when it happens. But when Jesus is your life, that life cannot be destroyed because He is your life. Life is the best life that one can have. Excuse me. Life, the best life that one can have is only through Jesus. It is why Jesus says that He is the life. Because without Him, we don't have life. We are dead people. We are dead in our sins. Dead in our trespasses. Without Jesus, we crave life. And we seek to fill our lives with everything and anything else. But Jesus, we look to money. We look to possessions. We look to job promotions. We look to anything. We look to relationships even to fill our life. In some cases, we look to alcohol. We look to drugs. We look to sexual relationships. We look to anything else but Jesus to fill our lives, to fill the void. We must look to Jesus because He is the life. If that is you, if you are the one who is trying to fill yourself up with anything else other than Jesus... Know that there's only one person who can give you life. It's Jesus. As He says in verse 6, I am the way. I am the truth. 
I am the life. Because He is the life. He is the one who can give life to you and fill the void in your heart for life. He is the one who can satisfy your cravings for life. It is only through Jesus that we have life. As we have seen over and over and over that Jesus is the one who gives life. Guys, I hope that whenever we get done through this I Am series that we see and we know that Jesus is the life. John 5.21 says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son, Jesus, the Son, also gives life to whom He wishes. Friend, Jesus is the one who gives life. You can't give it to yourself. Someone else other than Jesus can't give it to you. Life is only given to you through Jesus. And church, this life that we are given, we must remember it every single day of our lives. Every day. Because the devil, because Satan is going to do his best to make you feel like you don't have a life. That you don't have life in you. Because when you feel like you don't have life in you, what do you begin to do? You begin to look for things to fill that void. To fill that void. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because He is the life. And He wants to give you life. And when we already have the life of Jesus inside of us, all we have to do is look to Jesus and He will remind you that your heart is already alive. That you already have life in Him. In 2007... A popular preacher, excuse me, in 2007, a popular preacher released a book. A book about life. How one could have a better life. Some of you may already be thinking of the book I'm talking about. Joel Osteen wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. Your Best Life Now. If you don't know who Joel Osteen is, he's a popular TV preacher. He's a pastor of a church in Houston, Texas, probably one of the largest churches, one of the few of the largest churches in America, probably the world. Joel Osteen is also a prosperity gospel preacher. A prosperity gospel preacher. And what this gospel is, it is a false gospel. It is a different gospel. It is a gospel that we don't believe. He is a preacher who is preaching a different way, a different truth, and a different life. The book details seven steps to living your life to the fullest potential. Now, I haven't read this book, so bear with me here, but I haven't read the book. But just the other, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago, I was in a bookstore, and I saw the book on the shelf, and I was curious about what the chapter titles were. I just wanted to see what the chapter titles were, just to have an idea of what was in the book, because I've never picked the book up in my life. And I couldn't help but recognize a common theme in all of these chapter titles, or at least most of these chapter titles. Listen to these chapter titles. And as you listen, I want you to try and pick out on the theme here. Chapter 1, enlarging your vision. Chapter 2, raising your level of expectancy. Chapter 7, who do you think you are? Chapter 8, Understanding your value. Chapter 9, become what you believe. Chapter 11, be happy with who you are. Chapter 13, reprogramming your mental computer. Whatever that means. Chapter 14, the power in your words. 
chapter 30. Happiness is a choice. A choice that you make. All these chapter titles in this book have one focus. It's all about you. It's all about how you can get a better life. How you can live your best life. Church, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about how you can live your best life. It's not about how you should enlarge your vision. It's God's vision we should enlarge. And God's vision for us. It's not about our level of expectancy. It's what is God's level of expectancy for us. And that is nothing short of holiness and righteousness. It's not about who we think we are. It's about who God thinks we are. In God's eyes, we are either dead in Christ or alive in Christ. It's not about how you understand your value in yourself. It's about how God values you. It's not about you becoming what you believe. It's about you becoming who God wants you to be. It's not about you being happy with who you are. It's about you being happy in the Lord because your joy comes from the Lord, not yourself. It's not about how you can reprogram your mental computer. Again, whatever he means by that, I don't know. It's about how God changes your heart and reprograms your heart. It's not about the power of your words. It's about the power of God's words and His words alone. It's not about your happiness being a choice. It's realizing and knowing that your happiness, your joy comes from the Lord. And living a life of joy because of Jesus, not because of yourself. Church, having a better life now cannot happen when you are the driving force behind it. Having a better life now happens when Christ gives you life and is the driving force for everything in your life. Your best life now happens only when you give your life to Jesus so He can be your life. And no matter whether good things happen in your life or bad things happen in your life, you still have the best life because you have Jesus in you. And He is your life. And He is your joy. And He is your hope. And He is your way. And He is your truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Let us always remember this. In our sermon today, we have seen three facts of who Jesus is. We've seen that Jesus is the way, the only way, and He is the only way for salvation. We saw that Jesus is the truth, the whole truth. There is nothing false about Jesus. He is the truth and He is the true Messiah. And lastly, we saw that Jesus is the life. And we can only have life because of Him. And it's only through Him that we can get life. And as always, we must ask ourselves, how are we to live this out? And so there's three ways for us to live this out. The first way that we can live this out is to walk in the way. Walk in the way. If we believe that Jesus is the way, then after we believe that Jesus is the way, then we must continue to walk in the way. We know that Jesus is the way, the only way to salvation. So first and foremost, we must believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then we must continue to walk in the way. 1 John 2, verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him 
talking about Jesus, whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. The author of 1 John is telling us that those who abide in Christ will also walk in the way that Christ walked. Church, as believers, we must daily walk in the Lord. Live like Christ lived. Walk in the way of Christ. And that way is holiness and righteousness. Walk in the way of the Lord and His commands. The second way we live this out is we walk in the truth. We walk in the truth. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. The author of 3 John wanted his children to walk in the truth. As Christians, we must every day be walking in the truth. This truth is Jesus. We must walk daily in the truth of Jesus. We must remember who He is and what He has done for us. We must remember that He is the truth, the true Messiah, and the one who came full of grace and truth. Walk in the truth of Jesus. The third way we live this out is we speak life to those around us. Whenever I say we speak life, it's not that we speak life into them, it's that we speak life where we speak of the one who gives life. Church, there are people all around us every day who do not have life that we have in Christ. They're doing it life their way instead of God's way. There are people all around you that are doing things every day in hopes of filling a void they have to having a better life. And we must speak of the one who can give life. We must speak of Jesus. We must tell those around us of who Jesus is and the life that He can give. A life that He only gives. A life that whenever there's suffering, when there's trials, that when we go through those times, we can look to Jesus. Speak of Jesus to those around you this week. Tell them of how they can have life. I want to close with this. In Genesis chapter 11, a group of people tried to make, or tried to get to heaven their own way. The group of people tried to build a tower to heaven. They were trying to make their own way. We know this as the Tower of Babel. And then God came down, saw the city, saw the tower, and would then scatter all the people, confuse their language, creating different languages. That's why it's called Babel, because if you can't talk to each other, you're just babbling, if that makes sense. But that's what happens when someone tried to make it their own way. You can't make it your own way. The tower was not God's way. It was their way. Remember this week that the way for us is Jesus. The truth for us is Jesus. The life for us is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for John chapter 14, verse 6. This simple statement of how you are the way, how you are the truth, how you are the life, and how no one 
comes to the Father except through you alone, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we look to you for the way, that we look to you for the truth, and that we look to you for life. Help us to not let it be about us, but to be about you, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Neely's Bend Baptist Church today. If you have any questions about the sermon or questions about Neely's Bend Baptist Church, feel free to email us at mbbc at neelysbendbaptist.org.